Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard for today's Sunday special of Human Events. So earlier this week, I had the opportunity to speak to the Turning Point chapter at UCF down in Orlando, Florida. We recorded it only minutes after Matt Taibbi had released the information that James Baker was scrubbing those Twitter files before they were released. So this was the discussion that we had, uh, the talk that I gave on it. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Let's get into it. Uh, it's really great to be here. It's amazing to be in Florida. But one of the things that we just learned right in the past couple hours as I'm over here, have you guys seen the latest drop of the Twitter file? It was from Matt Taibbi. Have you seen this yet? Are you tracking his story? So I'm seeing some yeses, some not so much. Have, all right. So the, the initial Twitter files drop, what was that? So I got tipped off of this by, I can't dime out my source, but let's just say and one of the accounts that was recently reinstated who you probably mostly know, you probably mostly have heard of this guy. So he said to me that he was in contact with Twitter and that while Elon Musk was there and was digging through some of these files, some of which we've seen now, that they discovered communications, chat logs, internal Slack messages, uh, emails within the servers, all about the censorship operations that they were running, not only in the election of 2020, but also for COVID, for January 6th, for all sorts of these various high profile controversial censorships um, of, of predominantly conservative figures, not always conservatives, but predominantly, whether it be the Babylon Bee, whether it be President Trump, whether it be uh, any number of, of prominent people. I mean, it, you can always tell that, uh, I, I love, by the way, when they say it's a mistake, right? They say, oh, that was just a mistake. You know, we didn't mean to uh, step away. But if that were true, why is it that all the mistakes seem to go in the exact same direction, right? So what are we talking about here? Let me, take, let me zoom out a little bit. Sorry, I, 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 my, my wife and my, my voice who are here tonight, uh, they know that when when I get a new story, I'm like a dog with a bone and I just want to like drill down on all the different aspects of it. And OK, well, if this is true, then that means this happened and that means this happened. And that means this guy's going to jail, you know, if I can just get everything in the court. So let me let me back up a little bit. Twitter has not operated as a free speech platform in a long time. I think we all know that. I don't think anyone would really disagree with that. And, and I wouldn't just say Twitter. Twitter's the one we're talking about, but we have to understand this is YouTube, this is Facebook, this is Google as a search engine, but there's an interesting discussion about whether or not Google, you've seen the chat GPT that's out there. Now, even though it is super woke, um, imagine if, if you could create a chat bot that would be able to respond to you with actually accurate information that wasn't put through some kind of woke filter before it came out. Google be out of business, right? You wouldn't even need Google anymore at that point because you would just literally get the answer. But I do think that the chat bots, you guys know what the chat, this Google, this thing is I'm talking about, the, uh, the chat GPT. So it's this, it's this, um, it comes from OpenAI, which is another Elon Musk type venture where they've basically created an online, hmm, we used to call them chat bots when they first came out, but it's, it's, it's sort of this online assistant, you know, this entity because it's not a person right that you can talk to and that it will give you answers so chat gpt is one of the main things but that you can also go to it and query it now you guys are all in school and i i know you certainly wouldn't ever dream of using something like this for work on you know say an essay or uh you know you know some 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 classwork but you can go to this and say write me an essay on this topic that's this many words and uh, you know includes these references, and it will it will just do it right automatically. Um, the problem is they they target it with like wokeness too. So you, they'll say you know is is you know what what is a woman? Then it'll say a woman is a a female adult human being. So, okay, is Rachel Levine a woman? And they'll say yes, Rachel Levine is a woman. And they say and then you go to it and say, but wait, you just said that it's a bio, you know, a biological female adult, but Rachel Levine is a biological male, not a woman. And then of course it goes, it's like error 404, can I, can I respond to comment? So they haven't quite wokeified it. You know, they're trying to wokeify it, but it's not all the way there. My point is though, you can go to that then 
ask it a question, get an answer immediately, what would you ever use Google again for? So it could be a potential, uh, could be a potential competitor for Google, but at the same time, I do think that something that the right should be doing is investing heavily. Conservatives and, and libertarians, and this is the, even, even centrists, right? Anyone who's not beholden to this massive left-wing, you know, middle ground kind of situation in the middle, this narrative, go in there, set up a function where you get an unfiltered, whether it's politically correct or not, response to your question and query, that will be the most powerful thing. Maybe not for any specific election, but long-term that the right could be doing. Because if you have that in every house, you're gonna beat the pants off of Google, you're gonna beat YouTube, and then you will be able to set the narrative going forward. So let's dial it back a little bit. We're talking about censorship and the free flow of information. Because that's really what it comes down to. How can you have freedom without a free flow of information? It doesn't work. So we know that when a Hunter Biden laptop story, which, um, I didn't bring it in. Well, we have a copy of the Hunter Biden laptop with us. It's actually in the car. Um, but, you know, I, I've said earlier today on, on the War Room, I've said this on Charlie Kirk's show, I've said it on Timcast. I am more than happy to make a copy of this hard drive and give it to any media outlet, journalist, or politician that requests it from any side of the aisle, whether it be the Washington Post, CNN, New York Times, the very, very fake news New York Times, I'd be more than happy to. And I've been saying that for two years. Guess how many offers I've had. I've actually had people take me up on that. Guess how many people have actually taken me up on that offer. It's, it, people, I've had bites. I've had nibbles. I'm not gonna say it's zero, I've had nibbles. Because at one point, even Mark Cuban, believe it or not, actually responded to me. He at one point said, oh, I'd be happy, I'd love to get a copy of it, but, and here's the but, right? But I wanna make sure that it's an actual copy of the hard drive. And this is, remember at the time, we were told it was disinformation, Russian disinformation. And he said, I don't want any of that Russian disinformation that Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon put on there. Okay, and then Ben Collins, the nut job from NBC slides in, how dare you talk Jack Sobic? He's bad guy, he's said horrible, not nasty things and posted memes that were absolutely, you know, criminal memes. Uh, and then the whole thing never went anywhere. But which, which is hilarious because now here we are two years later, the most powerful uh, tech oligarch in the country is now Elon Musk by far. He's the richest man in the world. And even he is coming out saying, guess what? These guys all lied to you. They all lied to you. And so the Twitter files after Elon purchased Twitter became this treasure trove of documents because uh, the statement that I made on my show, Human Events Daily, that's, that's gone pretty viral at this point, was that Elon didn't just buy a platform, he bought a crime scene, right? Because he's got all the evidence now. He's got all the receipts, as we call it. These are all in his, he owns it, right? So you might think, oh, well, those are the private messages. No, 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 no. He owns the messages. He owns the emails. He owns all, there's no, if you type that on company you know, email, it's the same way, by the way, if you guys use uh, you know, student um, like college email here or anything like that, they got all that. They got all of it. There's no privacy concern there. Oh, they might sure, sure they might say, oh, well, you know, we need a good reason to look at it, but you know, they can. So he's going through all these files, this treasure trove. And one of the, the key things he wanted to dig into first was this question of the Hunter Biden laptop, which would have been the largest October surprise in modern presidential election history. And uh, my wife is telling me to fix my tie. <laughs> She's a great wife. And, and one of the issues with this is, so we, there we were, right? Uh, Steve Bannon, I'm in the war room and he goes, Posobiec, you need to go meet Raheem over at the Morton's, Morton's Terrace. Morton's is the, the big steakhouse in DC. I said, why do I got to go meet Raheem? I want to go home with the family. Wife was pregnant at the time. You can see the, the, uh, the result of that right there. Um, and to, to, to realize how long ago this was at this point. So he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah Morton's, you got to meet Raheem. He's got something. All right. So I go, I go over to Morton's. And I walk out on the terrace and it's, it's you know, middle of the day, October. And, uh, and Raheem's sitting there. He's got a steak. <laughs> He's looking at something on his laptop. And, and he turns it to me, he turns the laptop to me, and he goes, Pasovic, look at this. 
there's Hunter Biden in, in all of his glory. <laughs> just like, I probably can't even say in mixed company what it was he was doing, which you can all imagine. <laughs> um, but that was my first uh, meeting with the Hunter Biden laptop. And that was mid-October of 2020. We then spent the rest of the night once I finally got Raheem to stop clicking the pictures and videos, because of course he had to watch every single one of them. I said, you think we could look at the emails maybe, the text messages? And he's like, oh, fine. So we go through that and we, we uh, burn the midnight oil, going through emails, phone records, text messages, business documents, uh, wire transfers, all of the dealings that Hunter Biden and his family, keep in mind, had with the, the Chinese Communist Party, the same Chinese Communist Party that is cracking down on people who just want freedom, freedom from these insane lockdown policies across China, which you may have seen right now going on this past, still going on today, by the way, even though Xi Jinping has said that he would come back in China. That one, that one hit me pretty, pretty personally. I spent two years living in China. I speak Mandarin, um, became, later became a Mandarin linguist when I was in the Navy. And that park, right outside the park where they were holding those protests in Shanghai, that's not far, not far at all from where I lived. And I just think about the people that, you know, they, I would see every day when I was there, that I would see, that I would, you know, go to the shop for food, that I would be able to, to interact with on a regular basis. They don't deserve that. They don't deserve any of that. So that was number one, the Chinese Communist Party. Number two was the oligarchs of Ukraine. And there's a lot of questions about Ukraine. There's a lot of emotions about Ukraine. Ukraine's obviously in a war right now. We are currently supporting them in a proxy war with Russia. All of this has escalated to a point. But if you go back to the prologue, if you go back to the backstory of how the situation, how this foreign policy was mangled so badly, you look and you find Joe Biden and his son at the heart of every single one of these issues to the point where uh, after the government of Ukraine was overthrown, Joe Biden's son got a sweetheart deal on the board of one of Ukraine's most powerful energy companies, because that's what it was about at the end of the day. It was about who's going to be pumping the oil from those oil fields in eastern Ukraine from those oil fields into not all of Ukraine, but also the European Union, because that's where the money is. That's where the big bucks are. With Twitter files jumping into today, jumping to now, what Elon's doing is going back in time and giving us a peek at the internal deliberations of Twitter before they made that fateful decision. It's actually kind of wild because I, I was having a, a um, a, a discussion in one of my naughty private group chats um, and with, with, a, with another naughty person and on the internet. And he was saying, we were talking about the Hunter Biden laptop story. And he goes, you know, I have this normie friend and we were talking about it, we're chatting about it, who, and it was interesting to me because I like to think of the information silos of, of, the, of sort of the, the American spectrum right now. And there's, you know, there's the right, there's the center, there's the left. And I never look at it as, you know, we have to defeat the left or we have to out argue the left. I'm not interested in that. No, my, the name of the game is red pilling the normies, right? The name of the game is red pilling the normies. And how do you get to them? And so certain people, I, I get it, right? There's certain people that are never going to turn on the Steve Bannon podcast. They're never going to listen to Jack Posobiec show. They're never going to listen to Ben Shapiro. They're never going to listen to, um, you know, you know, take your pick, right? Take your pick, Tim, Tim Pool. Um, and if you say, if you say Alex Jones to them, they're just going to, my their head's going to blow up, right? How could you listen to a crazy guy like that? Um, you know, how could you listen to a guy who says the global elites are trying to depopulate the world and they're going to use a, uh, a man-made uh, virus that's released from China to, to take away all of our freedoms? And that's just crazy stuff, right? Like, that would never happen, obviously. Um, so, you know, Alex Jones is totally wrong about that one. <laughs> and uh, take the jar away from him. But when Elon Musk, so getting back to this normie friend, right? When Elon Musk comes out and says, hey, wait a minute, this laptop was true. It was censored under false pretenses. And the guy's response was, it, 
it blew my mind. It never occurred to me that that laptop could have been true and that the information that was on it, that Trump talked about at the debate, that it could have been true as well. Here's what's interesting, though. Here's what's very interesting, because I want to get back to one of my favorite three-letter groups in the world, and that's the CIA. And there was a question about the CIA and the FBI, and were they involved in this? Because the CIA, of course, is targeting counterintelligence operations, disinformation, misinformation. They use these very sinister, scary words to shock you into thinking, oh gosh, I don't want that being spread throughout the internet. I mean, that's just gonna destroy democracy, right? We need to protect and defend democracy with our, with our life. You know, so of course we should we should censor anybody that's that's involved in anything like this. We should get rid of them, take their accounts away, take their bank accounts away, take their children away from them. You know, do whatever you can. I mean, gosh, found it some Russian bigot. I mean, terrible. And so the problem was when those Twitter files came out on Friday night. There was a line in there where Taibbi said we could find no evidence of direct government involvement with the censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop. And that struck with me because I was thinking, what are you talking about? The Intercept had already posted just a few weeks before that we knew there were regular meetings being held between the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, and the heads of every single major tech firm in the world. Mark Zuckerberg went on Joe Rogan and said specifically the FBI visited Facebook's offices in Palo Alto. They came in and said there is going to be a hack and leak operation pertaining to Hunter Biden, and you cannot allow it on your platform. So we got Zuckerberg out there saying that. We've got the intercept files already, the DHS leaks, but then all of a sudden the Twitter files have no mention of the, gov of the government. I said that it didn't sit right with me, right? It's a place to say it didn't sit right. I said, well, something, something's not off. Something's not right here. So me being me, I start pulling receipts. So there we are sitting, <laughs> At, we're, we're at Santa's Hotel in, in, in West Palm, and we're at the beach, uh, or no, at the pool. We're at the pool, and Tanya's got the boys in, and Jack-Jack, that, that's my older son there. Hey, Jack-Jack. Say hi, Jack-Jack. Hi. <laughs> so he's been doing his, uh, his swim lessons lately, so he, of course, wanted, really wanted to show me uh, what he could do in the pool. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there pulling Twitter's FEC filings for like the last three years and going through what they said in 2020 because... It re I was reminded that there already was an investigation, a federal investigation into Twitter because of a lawsuit filed by the RNC against Twitter in 2021 regarding the censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop. And, it, and they said it accounted for an illegal in-kind contribution to the Biden campaign, something that they should have accounted for, the Biden campaign should have accounted for, is completely illegal. Now there would be a fine, whatever. But that's not what I was interested in. What I was interested in was what did Twitter say in sworn declarations to the FEC about the censorship of the laptop? You see what I'm getting at here? Because if they said something in sworn declarations in 2021, guess what? Now I can compare what they said in public to what they were saying in private in 2020 because I've got Elon's e emails out, right? So now you got it. This is doing the work. This is comparing receipts. And I found a discrepancy. I found a major discrepancy. And what was that discrepancy? And it was signed in a filing by none other than Yoel Roth, this complete nut job guy. He wrote his PhD dissertation on Grinder, by the way. Grinder. Like he actually somehow got a PhD by studying Grinder, which the memes write themselves. <laughs> Put it that way. The memes write themselves on that one. Um, he said to the FEC. It couldn't have been political bias for us to censor the Hunter Biden laptop. Remember, this is after the fact. It couldn't have been political bias, and why is that? And he said, well, it's simple. We were acting under the guidance of federal law enforcement because federal law enforcement told us that there was gonna, and it was the exact same phrase that Mark Zuckerberg had said on the Joe Rogan show. So guess what? Zuckerberg got the message and Twitter got the message too. So here's the difference. Why does it matter? It matters that something was missing from the Twitter files. And just about an hour ago tonight, we found out why that was. There was something missing from the Twitter files because they were scrubbed. Who was, up until 
few hours ago, the general counsel of Twitter. James Baker. Who is James Baker? <laughs> cheating, cheating. Yeah, no, James Baker was, was the FBI liaison for Crossfire Hurricane. He was intimately involved in the creation of the Steele dossier, the dirty dossier for the FBI on Trump in 2016 that launched the, the Russia investigation, James Baker resigns in 2018 after they started look, the house started looking at him for leaks into into the media for leaks of FBI information and just miraculously by sheer luck you know a a, a, a uh, an interesting coincidence Corinne Jean-Pierre I love her saying her name Corinne Jean-Pierre uh as she's she called it an interesting coincidence earlier today so I love this phrase interesting coincidence that he goes from essentially leaving the FBI in disgrace to becoming the general counsel of Twitter. Here's what happened. Those Twitter files that Elon Musk, we later found out he ordered them be, to be sent to Matt Taibbi, who's this great journalist, kind of like a center left guy, uh, but someone who's willing to call out the, the deep state essentially. And they figured out what the discrepancy was because they started digging through and said, wait a minute, you know, Elon just, put out the order to staff and said, hey, get this, get this stuff to Taibbi. But then Taibbi starts digging on it and Barry, he's working with Barry Weiss. And they said, where are we at? You know, who's actually collecting these files and sending them to us? It's not like Elon is sitting there going through, you know, line by line. Who's actually doing this work? And they finally get back when they said, well, it's, it's, you know, it's Jim. Okay. It's Jim of a last name by any chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jim Baker. Jim Baker. And they sit there and go, and Matt Taibbi just, just released all this a couple of minutes, literally as I was walking in, basically, or like getting ready to come here. James Baker, the FBI's guy at Twitter, right? The FBI's man at Twitter intercepted those Twitter files before they were able to make it to Matt Taibbi. And why do you suppose it was that any reference to the FBI, to the DHS, to federal law enforcement, just mysteriously vanished from the Twitter files. And Matt Taibbi said on Friday, I can't find any information about it. I can't find any evidence. I'll tell you why, I have a clue. Let's check the underwear drawer of James Baker's house right now, because I'm telling you, metaphorically speaking, right? He scrubbed it. He deleted all the files. He went in, because remember, he's the FBI's guy. And you know, this is, my, this is my assessment. He went in there as a bottleneck, cuts it off and says, I'm not gonna let Taibi get anything like that because we have to clean this up. And they knew that he, he was under the gun, that they were under the gun, because this would be, because remember, Elon Musk was never supposed to buy Twitter. You know, this thing was all supposed to go away. No one's ever supposed to dig up all this. So James Baker, as, a couple, as of a couple hours ago, he's unemployed because Elon Musk tweeted out that James Baker has been exited from Twitter. So we got a scalp, baby. We got the first scalp of many when it comes to Twittergate. But firing is not good enough. Firing is not good enough because, and whether it's, you know, whether it's McCarthy as speaker, whoever, uh, going forward, I want this, this subpoena machine fired up. I want everybody preserving their documents because we need to have an actual commission not just on Twitter, but on every single one of the shadow bannings, of the uh, deletions, the takedown requests, the, stuff, the COVID uh, lockdown requests, the someone, oh, someone said, uh, someone said they had, took a vaccine and had a bad reaction. Well, guess what? And by the way, kudos to the governor of your state who said earlier today, I believe, or maybe it was last night, but it was reported today, that the Surgeon General here and he will be working together to find these vaccine manufacturers and hold them to account for the false information that they put out about the experimental vaccine and the people who were harmed by their false information that then went and took it. That's, I mean, congratulations. What else can you say? What else can you say? This is the purpose of government. And so to close, to close, and I'll open it up for Q&A and, and please, you know, feel free. Um, we're in a situation, we're certainly in a situation in our country, and I have, I have much love and respect for 
my libertarian brethren, but we need a big stick right now. We need a big stick when it comes to government and you need that style of a true leader of the people who is doing their work and willing to stand up to corporations, whether it be Twitter, whether it be Big Pharma, whether it be Disney, as was done here by the governor, that is the mentality that I, I really think encapsulates what we call the new right. Okay, this idea of we can go to the government and instead of saying, oh, we have to, to shrink the government and cut everything and cut it down and uh, et cetera, et cetera, that you know, obviously we want to do that in, in, in one case, but in a, in a broader sense, we also need to use the tools that our founding fathers gave us to better our people and also to preserve our rights. Because our rights don't come from the government. Our rights also don't even come from the Constitution, believe it or not, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, Mark Luther would get mad if I said that, but hold on, Mark, it's okay. Because they come from God. And the Constitution and the government and everything else, these, these are all man-made institutions. But they were instituted for a purpose, and that purpose was the preservation of our rights. So if it's Twitter taking away my rights, if it's uh, Big Pharma taking away my rights, the government mandating, which, by the way, we live in D.C., and we're, we're all unvaccinated uh, when it comes to COVID. We're completely unvaccinated. I can't take my kids to the theater. I can't take my kids to go see, you know, a musical or a, a Christmas show because we still have vaccine mandates in D.C. in some areas. In L.A., they're bringing the masks back. And so when I tell you that I focused on the Chinese Communist Party so much, because I do believe, and that's a whole nother discussion, I do believe that we're headed for a war with China and the Chinese Communist Party. I, I, don't, I don't know how we get off the ramp of that. I really don't, uh, unless we actually look at decoupling with them economically. Otherwise, it just, it's the, and we're already in a proxy war with Russia at the same time. So John Mearsheimer came out and said this and gave a massive warning. He's known as one of the leaders of the realist theory, this idea that nations, uh, great power nations and even small nations are always just out to seek their advantage and things like the United Nations and international law. I mean, they're just, they're just paper, right? They're just words. And then at the end of the day, it's just countries seeking their own uh, personal interest. And so he was the guy, Mearsheimer, that eight years ago predicted that if U.S. and Ukraine stay on their current path, then Russia will invade and there will be a massive war. He predicted that. And eight years to a T, it exactly happened. Came out last week and he made a new prediction. He said that unless the U.S. stops escalating with China and escalating with Russia, then the United States is potentially triggering a two-front global conflict with two of the world's biggest, the other two big nuclear powers on the planet. Let me tell you something right now. This country, the way it's currently situated, it's not ready for something like that. Anyway, on, on that note, since we're busting everybody's chops, does anyone have any questions? And, and let's, let's use the microphone so that this guy can pick it up. But I want to let you know, by the way, we are recording all of this. This is going to be my podcast on, uh, on Sunday that goes out. So, you know, just uh, pressure's on, right? You know, ask good questions. And if, and if, you, and if you want to troll, like, like come out, you got to come with the good stuff. You really got to come. They, they, you should have seen the ones at, at Ohio, man. They were coming at me with like, well, I read that you said this and you posted a very mean, very, a very uh, mean, uh, a very uh, cruel meme about Hillary Clinton. I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> Hello, Jack. You can't say that one. Got the memo. Got the yeah, memo. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned during your speech that you received tips from people. How do you discern which ones have validity? Because um, obviously you want to post information that is correct. Sure. Well, I mean, it, you know, it, I mean, the, the question is basically about source management. So, um, you know, I, I was a Navy intelligence officer, um, fully trained uh, human intelligence. I did a one year deployment at Guantanamo Bay, uh, worked in the interrogation cell there uh, as an interrogator analyst. And the you always have to vet. You have to be constantly vetting everything. And, you know, obviously, if you can get a document, that's always the best. Um, so that's why what Elon's doing now is so great, because there's what you know, and there's what you can prove in court, right? And so do we know Twitter suppressed the Hunter Biden lab? Of course. Do we know that the government was, well, of course we know that, but now we can prove it, right? So when I'm vetting that stuff, I can say, yeah, I'm pretty sure that it, it, uh, you, you also want to use a, a, a heuristic 
that you get taught in the Intel community called PNA. So, especially with human intelligence. So the PNA is placement and access. Did this source have the proper placement to do so? Uh, and then you check their bona fides and say, okay, yeah, this person, you know, they work as a janitor at a certain place or whatever it is. Um, and did they have the access? So, okay, let's say there's a, like this campus, for example. So we've all got the placement and access to be in this room. Uh, we have some great police officers that are taking care of us tonight, and God bless you for doing so. Um, and, and God bless you for standing up and continuing to serve even every, every, after everything that's been done to your profession in the last couple of years. And that being said, though, if let's say that so somebody might be in this building, but they don't have access to this room because they're not a member, they weren't registered, et cetera, you know, that might be something that I'd want to derank. So you're checking the PNA. Uh, you want to look at knowledgeability base, and then there's ways to vet. There's ways to vet everything because you might get a piece of information and you say, okay, that's interesting, but then I've got a subsource network of other people in DC or various industries that I can reach out to and say, hey, I just got something in from a source. Seems interesting. Are you hearing this too? Uh, one of the questions recently was that just similar to that was got a source in a couple of weeks ago saying that uh, the military vaccine mandate would be repealed in the upcoming defense authorization bill. Now, this was something that McCarthy had discussed with Biden when they had that sit down last week. And I got that from a source. And I said, that's really interesting. I'd love to be able to report that because I don't think anyone else has reported it yet. I go around to some other people. So I said, let's, you know, let's, let's call up some congressmen, congressional aides, see what's up. Hey, you guys hearing this? Is this going to be in the bill? Called three other people. They all reported the exact same thing. And I said, look, if I've got this, these three people knowing their placement and access and they're all telling me the same thing and they don't know each other, that's key as well. Um, there's, no, there's been no communication between them. And that's a great way to say, hey, look, and, and you, know, you want to be careful. You want to say, according to X, we can report this, according to three sources, according to four sources, five sources. Um, but I don't even like to use the word source anymore. I'll, I'll say, you know, house staffer, house official. I try to keep it as, as clear as I can without diming out anybody like that. But, you know, it's, it's an art, not a science. What can I say? It's an art, not a science. And, and uh, as one of, the, one of my human instructors at Fort Huachuca, Arizona, used to always say, um, the answer to every single question in the human, hu human means human intelligence, by the way. Um, that's, that's basically what we're talking about, network building and source, source management and source collection. That, uh, you know, the answer to every question is, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Interesting that you brought up uh, ChatGPT because Elon like tweeted about 20 minutes ago regarding AI alignment, which is basically mm -hmm. how we make sure that AI like ChatGPT is aligned with our world. Oh, so, wow. What, what ought to be done to make sure that AI like ChatGPT is aligned with truth and not error? Well, I, th I think that when it comes to something like chat, it's basically what I was outlining before, that you've got to create some kind of competitor to chat GPT. Um, that's amazing. It's the first one out of the box, first one to market. It's, it's cool, right? It's very cool. Um, it's also very dangerous and it's extremely powerful technology. It's the kind of technology that it's going to do a lot because it's going to put a lot of people out of work. That's number one. It's also going to reveal how many people actually are NPCs because if you can't, if you, if you can't, uh, you know, compete, or if you can't produce at a better level than a computer, it's actually going to reveal one of the one of the greatest red pills of all is that that NPCs are real, and that um, you actually can't distinguish. So people talk about the Turing test, or if you've ever seen the movie um, Blade Runner, it's it, I think it's actually the opposite. It's that uh, you know because the Turing test is that if you have a conversation with an operating system, that uh, if you cannot tell that it is a robot, then it has attained consciousness, right? That is, it attained consciousness. And, and then that's the plot of the movie Blade Runner is that Harrison Ford's character, Decker, is trying to find you know, the, the robots that look like people and, and he's constantly having to give them this test. And, and those are great, I love Ridley Scott and all, but at the same time, I, I think it's actually backwards because, because sometimes you, you're getting to the point with some of the, this AI where I say, well, you're, you've got more independent thought here than most of the people I meet, so. You know, I think we need to reconfigure how we do this test. But to get to actually answer your question, you have to come up with a competitor to this. Look at the technology they have. Look at the data. And, and, and also, you know, I guess the halfway answer would be to say, require it to 
to feed in sources from all areas of the political spectrum. So that means conservative sources, libertarian sources, uh, center sources, mainstream sources, fine, but it has to be broad-based. And if it's not broad-based, it's not going to work because I just sat up here for 40 minutes and told you about how the Hunter Biden laptop was completely true and everything that's on there is true. We tied it into Ukraine, China. I, I warned about World War III, right? But you could go to, you could go to chat GPT and they'll say that was debunked, right? Well, it was debunked according to who, right? So it really depends on where it's pulling its source from. And it gets down to this question of source citation. But I really do think, I really think that, so going back to the Rachel Levine question, uh, asking the AI about, I know it's kind of silly, but it's, it's important, right? It's important because the values that we program these AIs and artificial general intelligence with are the values that are gonna be leading the next level of technology for, for my kids, right, coming up. My, my four-year-old, we were at my parents for Thanksgiving and he saw the DVDs on the shelf that my parents had, and he said, what's that? Right? He didn't know what a DVD was. The whole concept of having some kind of physical, I know, right? Having physical media was just totally foreign to him. He's like, what do you mean? TV, that's all just stream, it's all streaming, right? It's all uh, YouTube or, or Rumble in my case. Um, but you've got to come up with a competitive version of it and the way you say it, you become competitive, like, yeah, theirs is, is going to have all the bells and whistles, but ours is going to be true. And ours is going to give you unfiltered, unvarnished reality, whether you like it or not, right? Whether you like it or not. And you're, you're seeing more of this on the internet. But what, what I think I, I thought that was so interesting, going back to the Rachel Levine part of it, was that it, one of the responses on it that I didn't mention was, it is important to affirm Rachel Levine's gender identity, period. And so, not to go all Jordan Peterson on you, but, you know, we have to deconstruct that sign. You know, <laughs> uh, important to who? Who said that's important? Is it important to Rachel? Okay, sure, but why is it important for me, right? Why is it important to society? Also, why is an AI trying to morally lecture me on what is important and what's not. How about I determine that for myself and you just give me the freaking answer, you know? <laughs> right? you're, you're a computer, that's your job. So obviously someone has programmed it to be woke and you're getting the immediate woke response, which, you know, which isn't hard because that's how they all think. Um, it, it also might be one of those situations where Elon just doesn't realize it as much and you know, we, have to, we have to tweak it a little, tweak the dials a little bit. But I think, I really do think one of the most powerful long-term strategies of the right right now would be to get into this market and provide an alternative immediately to that. Because I mean, we were in an arms race for, between the superpowers for nuclear arms throughout, all throughout the Cold War. Then China came up after the 1960s and the Sino-Soviet split and they got the bomb and that was what, because Khrushchev never wanted to give Mao the bomb because he wouldn't trust, I wouldn't trust them. <laughs> Chairman Mao with nuclear weapons, come on. Um, so I totally get that. But the new nuclear arms race is AI. Who's going to create the most powerful AI and who's going to control it? Because that will be the way that the next war is fought. You mentioned a subpoena and that we have to do more than just expose these files, but how do you suppose that we conduct any kind of investigation when the organizations and agencies that are supposed to conduct that are obviously conspiring with the people we're trying to investigate? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, it's uh, tenacity and moral clarity. Uh, I think are the main answers there that you can't let someone sit in front of you and take, uh, I don't recall, I don't recall, I don't recall as, as the answer. And say, Why did you do this? Did this person, and, and it, it kind of goes back to what I was, I was uh, saying before about going and vetting your sources, is that we, a lot of this was done on, on information systems, right? So I can pull chat messages, I can pull uh, emails, I can pull any record of a Slack chat, et cetera, that hasn't been wiped by this James Baker douchebag, that if it's out there, we'll find it. And by the way, if he didn't wipe, wipe it hard enough, so if he didn't actually physically go in and wipe the hard drive, then we can actually do that. It's called overwriting. It's a process called overwriting. Um, I, I guarantee he hasn't done anything like that. Not to get into the computer, you know, 
computer science part of it. But if you don't, if you just click delete on your phone or you delete on some on your computer, it's not actually deleted until it's overwritten on the hard drive. So you can still be recovered. Um, and usually that takes something like seven. Well, it depends on how many passes, how 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 destroyed you want it to be, and you gotta you have to confront them. We have to we have to get all the information, confront them, and then you start with James Baker. You work out from there, right? We had Gil Roth, that's a scalp. James Baker, that's another scalp, at least in terms of being fired. But now we gotta haul them back in and say, who told you this? Was this this guy Elvis Chan? Because that came up in the Missouri lawsuit. And by the way, that's another reason that these state attorney generals are so important. Because it's the state attorneys general that file these lawsuits at the federal level. And so they're going after Fauci, they're going after Twitter, where there's so much information coming out that's there. So I think the biggest thing regarding the Twitter files that I noticed was that none of it was really new. It was all stuff that we already knew was going on behind the scenes. We just didn't have the receipts to prove it. But... What do you think, because I'm sure you follow this much more closely than I have, what do you think was the most interesting revelation that we got out of what we've seen so far? I don't think people realized how many of the takedown requests were going on during 2020. Um, I don't think people, it's, there, there is something that's actually shocking of being able to look at a, a, a document, an internal email, and my name was not included in the Twitter files, but I was in the DHS files that The Intercept put out. Um, I think I was number six on the list, and so I, and when I saw that, I was the number six on the list of disinformation purveyors. I said, my gosh, I have to apologize. I'm not trying hard enough. I, I should at least be number three. I mean, come on. Number one, we'll see. But, you know, you know I'm going to work, so I, I, I will, actually, I was talking to the, uh, I was talking to the merch team at Turning Point. I wanted to, I wanted to get Turning Point to make T-shirts that said "spread in, spread misinformation," um, and uh, they, they, we'll see, we'll see. Hold, you know, if you're coming to America Fest, well, you might you might see some, it. might just be me. Yeah. Uh, well, Elon has been attacking Wikipedia today. Even point out. That, so Wikipedia, by the way, let's let's go to them because Wikipedia is trying to delete the entry on the Twitter files right now. It's gotten so bad. So Wikipedia is controlled by the neckbeards. And if you don't know who the neckbeards are, they are a certain type of internet species. Um, they, they originated from the mountains and, and caves of, 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 of Reddit. And then they, they you know, you know, migrated down into the valley of, of Wikipedia where they have been a menace to us ever since, tipping their fedoras and, and say, you know, and, and Elon Musk actually had his a great comment about this, a little a joke where he said, um, you know, the mainstream, you know, the mainstream media is biased. And then Wikipedia editor, do you have a mainstream source that backs that up? <laughs> right. And, and he's, he's highlighting the he's highlighting the problem there because you're never going to get a mainstream source to admit what everybody knows that the mainstream media is hopelessly biased. They're biased for the people in power. They're biased for their chosen people in power. And it, it's actually amazing to me that I that there are less people, Ben Collins, I gotta go back to him again, because he's just this, this he, he's just become such a, gotta be careful my words, political punching bag, uh, political punching bag for everybody, because it's, it's so ridiculous, the things that he's saying. This was the guy, by the way, that, um, that went so far out on a limb when the Colorado Springs horrific shooting took place, but he starts blaming me, he starts blaming Tucker Carlson, he starts blaming libs of TikTok, he's blaming Charlie. Uh, and you guys all caused this with your misinformation and your hate speech and your attacks on the LGBTQ plus LMNOP, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do community. <laughs> and you are to blame for this because you caused stochastic terrorism. And I love stochastic terrorism because it's, it's great. There's no actual definition of it, and you can accuse anyone who says anything of inciting stochastic terrorism. Um, because if you, if you say anything critical of anyone else, well, you could be inciting stochastic terrorism. And so Ben Collins is out there. He starts crying. He was crying. He goes, I wake up every day, and I see the news. And I, I try. I try so hard. I try so hard to and it happens anyway. But Pasovic just keeps tweeting. <laughs> I don't know what can I do? And and then of course it comes out that the shooter was non-binary. And that just was like a lead 
on the entire story. I know, I know, I had to do it for effect. <laughs> You're like, don't hit my mic. <laughs> and, and where's that story today? Gone, vanished, vamos, <laughs> right? Out of here, absolutely out of here. So to get back to Ben Collins, Ben Collins actually tweeted, uh, and I, I screenshotted it, I think as I was literally walking to the car, where he said, um, he said, oh, well now Elon Musk is turning the right-wing trolls and the right-wing ecosystem on a recently fired employee of Twitter, and all he was doing was just doing his job, and Elon Musk is, is inciting violence against him. I said, oh gosh, oh no, Elon Musk has hurt the feelings of the FBI. <laughs> Whatever will we do? However will we sleep at night? I know, how about on a brand new MyPillow from MyPillow.com promo code POSO. And I said, promo code POSO is amazing because promo code POSO will destroy prices faster than James Baker destroys evidence. <laughs> I, was, I spent the whole night working up to that. I spent the whole night working up to that line. I practiced that three times in the mirror before I got here. Is, uh, is Neuralink as sinister as some may theorize? Well, you know, the question of Neuralink, and this is, as, as Elon Musk said, it is a quarter-shaped hole in your skull. A piece of your skull gets removed, and it gets replaced with, in Elon Musk's words, a Fitbit. You know, essentially a Fitbit. And what Elon said, and I'm, I'm literally just quoting him here, he said, we've all become cyborgs already because of our connection to our phones and our connections to social media that we are all used to operating within the confines of the hive mind, whether it be Twitter, whether it be uh, TikTok, whether it be Instagram, that we're always in this constant communication. But the problem that Elon looks at it as is the interface, right? So the physical interface, it's, 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 it's clunky. It's not, you know, it's, not, it's not useful. You have to stare down at it the whole time, and you're, you're losing your spatial awareness. Um, you know, the batteries die, et cetera, et cetera. And so what he's saying is this, this vast world, uh, virtual world, the cybernetic world, exists, and what, what Neuralink does would be a faster way for us to interface with it. Um, now, I, I'm not going to fall into the trap of saying, look, if, if you've got someone who's, who's, who's paralyzed, if you've got someone who lost a limb, those types of things, sure, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disparage anybody for that. I served when I was in the Navy. Uh, I was attached to an explosive ordnance unit at one point, EOD, in the Navy, and I'd say a good 30% of guys in the unit were missing something, right? You know, whether it be a leg, an arm, a couple of fingers. So I get it, right? I would get it if, if I were in that situation. But at the same time, if you're a perfectly, perfectly healthy person, um, go back to what we were just talking about with ChatGPT, that if the programming for this gets to the point where it's, it's inputting and imputing its values onto the user and onto the AI, then with Neuralink, at what point then are you programming it versus it programming you, okay? And you know, we did an example of this with John Fetterman recently because John Fetterman, when he saw a great senator, um, uh, the, set, the setterman, that he, my senator, by the way, Pennsylvania, um, great job, great job, PA, love you so much. And that when he debated, he was hooked to a computer. And that when he was giving interviews, he was, he needed the computer to provide him with a transcription of what the person was saying because he couldn't process it. And they kept saying auditory processor, auditory processor, right? The problem wasn't his hearing. The problem was his processing, right? The problem was his processing. And they lied to people about this. They, he had the stroke before the election, even before the primary. But they lied about it, and they hid him. And his staff was posting videos on his Twitter and Facebook to make it look like he was actually holding events while he had just had a stroke and was in the hospital. So go with me on that. You want to talk disinformation, right? Um, believe me, I will never spread enough. To, if, I spread, if I try to wake up every morning spreading disinformation for the rest of my life, I will never reach the level of just one journalist in the mainstream media, not just one of them, because the lies they tell get people killed, get people maimed, uh, start wars. They lead to all sorts of insanity. So 
with Fetterman, my question was, okay, it's giving him the questions, but is the computer giving him the answers? And if the computer's giving Fetterman the answers, then who's actually debating? Right? Who's actually debating? Is it Fetterman? And they're saying that, you know, it's, uh, well, they said, well, we're, you know, and there was this discussion people were having. They said, well, we're going to base the answers to the questions off of policy statements that Fetterman has made in the past and then formulate what his answer would have been were he actually answering the question himself. And I said, whoa, slow down, you know, hold your horses because this is a slippery slope. This is a slippery slope not just to, uh, you know, the rise of the machines and giving power over to Skynet, which, you know, plot twist. It, it, I, think, I think we've all figured it out in our alert, right? Like, Elon is the one who creates Skynet. So it's, it's Twitter, it's, it's Neuralink, it's, it's uh, 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 Starlink, you know, all connected. That's, that's what creates the robots that kill us all. And so with, uh, when, 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 when you go into it, you have to actually figure out you're giving away a portion of your free will at that point. And for me as a Christian, for me as a believer, um, I believe that free will was given to us so that we could make decisions for the positive and the negative in our lives because there's no true love, there's no true fellowship, there's no true relationship if you're just following some script, if you're just following some program. And that's the point, right? The point is that you're doing it independently of your own will. So at some point, um, if you've given your will away to the computer, and if you're just following what the computer tells you to do all the time, which by the way, we just saw during COVID, how many people exercised independent will throughout COVID versus, and I'm sure all the people in this room uh, know someone like this, who, there were people who literally stayed in their homes for a year because the TV told them to. The television told them to stay in their homes for a year and they just did it. Right? That's not free will. That's not free will at all. And that's not being a free person. So um, we need to actually re-examine what we mean when we say we want to be free people. Okay? Because that means your own volition. That means your own sentient thoughts. That means your own consciousness. And when I think of Neuralink, to, just to get back to the question, I view it as... You know, don't tell me that it's just Google Glass when you're when you're plugging me into the to the mainframe like that. Like, no, nah, I don't think so. God bless you. Thank you so much for the time tonight. Great questions, great conversation. Really appreciate it.